hope I can see here tonight. I forgot my glasses. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Folks, as we prepare to celebrate tomorrow through a feast of Thanksgiving, we enjoy a tradition that Americans have been celebrating for almost 400 years, folks. Almost 400 years. And we have so much to be thankful for. Uh, the message I focused on last year was government and the role it plays as a minister uh, of God for good. Search anywhere that civil government has failed and you'll find a state that has failed and is in chaos and turmoil. Um, so we remain very grateful for our government and civil authorities and police that God has placed to enforce and preserve law and order. This evening, I would just like to take just a few minutes to express gratitude for something else God has provided to us, and that is His church, Christ's church. Uh, surely His bride belongs to Him, but at the same time as His bride, we share a union with Him and one another that is invaluable and it is inseparable. To first expound on the invaluable attribute of the body of Christ. Let me read to you a familiar passage from Ephesians chapter 5 that you know very well. Uh, This runs from verse 22 to verse 32. So often we employ and apply this passage, uh, this section, to the relationship between a husband and a wife, and appropriately so. But as I read it to you, I would just like you this evening to pay particular attention to the implied relationship between Christ and His church. The church is mentioned by name six times in these few short verses, and that doesn't even include the numerous references through nouns and pronouns used to indicate His bride. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, Paul says, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. As I've mentioned on uh, numerous previous occasions, there's nothing more valuable to Christ in this world than His church. 
Surely everything else, including the world, will be, will be destroyed and melted down by intense heat. But the one thing that will never be destroyed is his church, his body. Though it may seem as Christ has delayed in his returning, as we patiently wait, even mockers will come saying, where is the promise of his coming? Nonetheless, to him, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. He is at work building his church, adding to its number every single day, not willing that any of his chosen perish, but that all come to repentance. Our Christ is patient. Because the the love of Christ, or the life of Christ, excuse me, Because the life of Christ, being God himself in human flesh, is infinitely valuable, that which he gave his life for is likewise immeasurably valuable. He loves his bride, the church, and Ephesians tells us that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Now think about this. Normally, as we observe weddings, each bride prepares herself for the wedding. She does her best to put herself together to see her husband when she faces him and going down the aisle. But Christ prepares for himself his own bride. He cleanses her and he washes her with his word that he might present her to himself in all her glory. And the women amongst us can probably appreciate this. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, the bride of Christ has no spot and no wrinkle or any such thing, but she is holy and pure and perfect. Ephesians 5.28 says, He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Most precious to Christ is his bride, and and I can't imagine mistreating a beautiful bride as she's being prepared to be permanently united with the bridegroom. And we can be immensely grateful this Thanksgiving that Christ treats us with such an affection and protects us and defends us as we're all members of his body, the church. It is Christ who nourishes us and cherishes us. Fittingly then, as he nurtures us in preparation for the marriage supper, we are inseparable from him. He has given us the Holy Spirit as an earnest, sealed us until that day. So symbolically, we are bound to him through water baptism, and then we are bound to one another, symbolized through the Lord's Supper, until that day he comes again. And concerning the local church, he has placed us in union to just one local body exactly as he desired. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 18. 
For if there were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body, he told the church in Corinth. And we know that 1 Corinthians 12, that chapter, as well as Romans 12, teaches us how we are each spiritually gifted by the Holy Spirit to serve the local body, which in turn prepares his beautiful bride to meet her groom on that day. 1 Peter 5.3 even provides us the impression that each individual member was allotted by God to each local body for that special purpose. Folks, the holy day, the holiday, the holy day of Thanksgiving we encounter is a stunning earthly illustration of that spiritual truth in the story of the pilgrims. They had set out together in a ship called the Mayflower in the year 1620 for the New World, specifically for a territory that we now recognize as the state of Virginia. On November 9th, after 66 days at sea, they had been blown off course and first saw land way up at Cape Cod in Massachusetts. Unable to travel south because of the storms and recognizing the sovereignty of God in their travels, they decided to land on the province town tip of Cape Cod, thanking God for a safe arrival to the new world. Some of the passengers, realizing that Cape Cod was not under any government's jurisdiction, considered leaving the group and striking out on their own. This would have been devastating for everyone, for the pilgrims had carefully selected each man, and I would add woman, to the unique skills that he or she possessed. For that journey, each had special skills that they could contribute to the existence of the community. Each individual member was essential to the health and the survival of the entire colony. So the members of that community decided to do something. You probably remember from history class, or I hope you do, that they decided to bind themselves together and sign a covenant, a self-governing document, before any person even got off the ship. Before they even disembarked to go ashore. The new document, which mirrored that congregation's spiritual covenant that they had made, committed the entire colony to God and to each other for the good and the preservation of them all. The agreement was called the Mayflower Compact. Signed on November 11th, 1620. It will be 400 years in a couple more years. Though they had lost numerous casualties that first winter, they credited God for having then sent an Indian, Squanto, to show them how to live in the new land as they witnessed to him the gospel. As an article from Christian Law Association reads, a wonderful article today that I was able to read from Christian Law Association if you want to look at it later. The story unfolds in this way. During that summer of 1621, 
When it appeared the year's corn harvest would not survive a severe drought, the pilgrims called for a day of fasting and prayer. By the end of that day, it was raining. The rain saved the corn, which miraculously sprang back to life. One of the Indians who observed the miracle remarked in this way, quote, Now I see that the Englishman's God is a good God, for he hath heard you and sent you rain, and that without such tempest and thunder as we used to have with our rain, which after our powwowing for it, that breaks down the corn, whereas your corn stands whole and good still. Surely your God is a good God. Well, that miraculous corn harvest provided the basis for the pilgrims' first Thanksgiving, a tradition Americans continue to celebrate today. However, sometimes public schools teach that Thanksgiving signifies the thanks the pilgrims offered to their Indian neighbors who had helped them. But history demonstrates that on that first Thanksgiving day, the thanks of both pilgrims and Indians went to God for his great goodness toward them. The story of the pilgrims is an illustration that while they placed their faith in the sovereignty of God, they trusted in his plan for them, they also knew that they could only survive as a community together as long as they remained bound together in that covenant themselves. The Mayflower, Mayflower Compact is evidence of how they recognized that each individual member was essential for the continuing survival of the whole. At the cross at Calvary, the Holy Son of God, Christ, gave himself up for us and he died for the sins of his beloved bride. That bears testimony to how precious the church is to him. For that we can give him thanks. Likewise, he has placed each member into this local body, for we share a common purpose. The Bible suggests we need one another. We need one another to survive. Each is gifted by the Holy Spirit in a special way to maintain his church and nourish his bride as we patiently and inseparably await the bridegroom's return. I'm especially thankful tonight that God has sovereignly brought us here together to nurture and prepare for him a bride to be presented to the bridegroom, Christ, beautiful, holy, and blameless for him on that day. Let's pray. Father, oh, we're so grateful. As we, as we think about what you've done for us, Lord, because you love us, and because you gave your life for us, Lord, we worship you. And you've brought us into this community, Lord, uh, to love one another, to prepare one another, to strengthen one another, and to beautify one another for that day that we see you face to face, Lord. Thank you for your church. Thank you for uh, the experiences that we have together. 
the way that we help one another, the way that we have concern for one another. Lord, uh, you've done us so well. You've treated us so well, Lord. Thank you. We're very grateful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.